Well, hello everyone. It's time to welcome you to the inaugural episode of uh, Talking Indies. It's a new attempt for me to try to find new ways to engage with people. Um, usually I would have written this stuff down or had a typed up version, but since honestly uh, the YouTube side of things is a bit more popular, we'll try it out this way. Even though uh, people have been very clear that some people at least that uh, my speaking is not always the best or the most uh, coherent possibly a bit rambling but hey uh, if you stick with it we'll see what we can do so I opened up uh, the questions or opened up four questions to anybody who had uh, thoughts or anything they wanted to ask for this uh, first edition and I got one question a piece from um, two of the talk Nintendo podcast regulars that um, I always appreciate having a chance to uh, get some feedback from. I'm usually very positive, so it's easy. I'm an easy sell. But um, the first one is Estuardo. Uh, he asked, he said, Hey, Justin, for a guy that plays about 347,000 games a month, what's the preferred length of a game to be really enjoyable? I ask this because I prefer shorter games. Less than 10 hours is golden for me, but I did enjoy a few 10 to 20 hour games like Bioshock Trilogy. More than that, it's a chore for me. The only, the only games I've really enjoyed that are longer than 50 hours have been Zelda games uh, like Breath of the Wild and Fallout 76, and this was because I was playing with a friend of mine in co-op 90% of the game. It says, keep fighting and uh, keep the fighting, keep fighting the good fight, my friend, Estuardo. All right, so we'll start with um, what's the preferred length of a game to really be enjoyable? Um, for me, that's become more of a complication. Uh, the nature of playing so many games and not really being able to commit a great deal of time to pretty much any of them uh, in order to keep up with the sort of churn makes it a difficult uh, thing. In general though, um, of the games that I tend to, even even with all the games that I play, of the games I tend to complete, I prefer probably the four to five hour length, um, perhaps up to you know eight to ten something that is manageable um something that is i is digestible um like for instance i used to dabble in jrpgs way back in the day um like i love uh love squares final fantasy 3 slash 6 depending on which way you look at it um way back in the day um but in the modern era i know well after i had kids it became a i need to play games that are relatively quick and um, consume my interest for a short period of time, but I don't need to come back to immediately. Uh, you know, if I tried to play, once I had kids, if I tried to play a really long game uh, where I had to take a pause for, you know, a couple days or something, I'd get back in and I'd be lost. So I stopped, I pretty much stopped playing longer games. Um, at that point, uh, now that, well, right now both of my girls are going to college, but, uh, it's gotten better, but now with my grind of the games, it's tough. Um, so I do, I do still play like ongoing games. Like my uh, ongoing addiction is Rocket League. It's a great game for me to just come back to over and over and over again. I've put in well over a thousand hours on PC, uh, but that tends to be my fill in the gap game. Um, I tend to. Every week or two, I tend to have a one game that stands out of the indies that I will go and try to finish. 
Um, aside from that, like, um, periodically I do enjoy playing games with my, my one daughter or PC games like um, Far Cry 6 is now something that I'm playing through bit by bit. But to answer your original question, <laughs> uh, I do tend to go off on a tangent. Um, I'd say four to five hours tends to be where my target is based on where things are for me nowadays. Um, but then I do also enjoy games like roguelikes or arcade games or things like that where really there's no defined length of time necessarily. I mean, roguelikes, you can uh, look at how, how long it takes you to beat it. But I tend to enjoy roguelikes whether I'm beating them or not. Um, it, they remind me of arcade games. It's something that I can just jump in depending on the depending on the length of the run for the given game you know some roguelikes run an hour and I can do that um, but a lot of them run shorter than that especially if you're not if you're not feeling lucky on that run um, so it's like as with all things with me I'm very distracted as you can tell when I talk um, four to five for for a target but I most commonly appreciate games like roguelikes or things like that that don't require my long-term engagement uh, or remembering where I am or keeping track of information. I tend to like games that stay very focused and tight. Um, and the four or five hour length is more of a, that's more of a statement towards that's about how long my concentration generally can last. I mean, I did enjoy Breath of the Wild. Uh, that was obviously before I started this site um, and doing all this. So when the new Zelda game comes out, that may be a challenge. I tried to go back to Breath of the Wild briefly, and that was a that was tough. Um, I ended up giving up after um, probably about five hours. Um, I just couldn't keep consistently playing uh, well enough, and I've I completed it. I I beat the game way back when, so I, I wasn't driven to finish it. But we'll see. Um, so hopefully it answers your question, Estuario. Um, <laughs> the other question is uh, from another uh, Talk Nintendo podcast mainstay, uh, Grills Von Sizzle. Um, he says, hey, Justin, thank you for all that you've done to provide us with coverage with so many Nindies this generation. I've spent most of this year getting caught up on older JRPGs that I've missed in the past, so I've only recently gotten around to playing my first new game of the year, Xenoblade Chronicles, which I probably will be playing into September. Having missed all of the year's indie releases, if you were to come up with a list of three must-play indies to represent 2022, what would they be? Uh, also, what are the three indie releases on the horizon most players, uh, the players should have on their radar? I appreciate your expertise on the matter. Now, for the love of God, get back to the Talk Nintendo podcast. Well, first, that's... Um, yeah, every once in a while, Perry uh, will check in... Um, we're trying to. I'm always available, but um, they've been they've been busy, so we'll we'll see. We'll get to it <laughs> at some point. Um, so get back to your question. Um, so the the three indies that I consider representative for the year. Now keep in mind, um, I, I'm always I'm always a bit reluctant to say what the best things are um, as a as a whole, um, only because. So many people have different tastes, um, and I try to, I try to cater to as many tastes as possible. So, with these question or with the answers to these questions, keep in mind that that I'm looking at a very broad spectrum of folks and trying to, trying to you know throw them a bone in all cases, um, because with indie games, it's not always, 
it's actually it's probably pretty rarely the case that you see games that appeal to everyone um there can be breakout uh games but i mean even something like hades as great as it was or even stardew valley um which i consider you know like hall of fame level um indie games on the switch those aren't those aren't necessarily as broad appeal of a game as something like zelda um where it seems to meet the point where you've got hardcore players and more casual players and everybody can agree that it's great Stardew Valley might be a bit too slow or tedious for people that really want intensity. Something like Hades, it might be intimidating for people that don't feel that their skills are up to snuff and they don't feel like they're going to get a lot out of it. So keeping that in mind, um, I'll give you, let's say, in that vein, I'll give you, we'll give you six games instead. I'm sorry. (laughs) So, um, the first one, uh, so far, the the game I've liked the most this year, I, I really love. Um, it's called Nobody Saves the World. Um, it's it's just I'd played it on PC. I'd actually almost beaten it on PC, but um, I played that solo, and then I played it uh, I played it co-op for quite a while on Switch with my wife, um, who it it got a bit too hard for her. But it is a very interesting adventure. Um, the main feature of it that stands out is um, is this ability to change your form, which you have to do. Um, and then you, you sort of get all this collection of skills tied to each form. As you play more with a form and you meet objectives, you end up um, unlocking more skills. And then once you have all the skills for that particular type of person, so you've got, there's a very, very really wild variety you know you've got like a rat versus a mermaid versus a slug versus a dragon is the ultimate one you can unlock but what you can do is once you've unlocked the skills you can actually assign them to other the other things the other forms that you can take so you end up being able to put together this hodgepodge of of, um, abilities and different abilities have different um, elemental properties um, that'll allow you to break certain types of enemies will have these different elemental uh, attributes to them that you have to break in order to be able to do damage. So you end up having to put together sort of this composite of different skills from different um, from different types of forms that you've had in the form you have currently as you go through dungeons and stuff like that. Now, co-op, it's easier because you can actually, you know, you could focus on poison, I could focus on... Uh, on um, uh, trying to think of what the other ones were. There's like a shield break one. You know, I can I can diversify with uh, co-op, so it's a bit easier. But in general, you know, I really like the challenge. I really like the creativity. It's by Drinkbox Studios, the folks that did Guacamelee. Um, it's just I love the game um, and have have a lot of positive feelings about it. Um, it's it was a lot of fun to sort of go through and unlock all the different forms. So it's it's got a it's it's past my my identified threshold of the preferred four to five hours but i kept playing anyway i think i put um probably about 15 16 hours into it so you know it's a longer game there's a lot of content um but really enjoyed it uh just it's got its quirky characters and just it's a lot of fun and challenging um so that's one um second one is uh wreckfest uh, by Bugbear Studios. Um, I love Demolition Derby games. Um, 
and weirdly I love them even though historically there haven't been very many good ones Um, but Wreckfest um, I'd I'd seen it on PC forever and debated buying it forever Uh, but since I you know didn't have time to uh, to commit I, I wasn't willing to spend the money but then when I heard it was coming to Switch, it was just like, oh, yes, I finally get to check out this game. And then I had that tentative worry that um, that somehow it wouldn't live up to expectation. But thankfully, that pretty much got shattered. Um, it is just a lot of fun. Uh, it's in the same line. Um, what was the previous game that they had made? Um, that I had, Oh, Flat Out. There was a series called Flat Out that I enjoyed that had a lot of Demolition Derby elements, and Wreckfest is really sort of taking all that experience they had from the flat-out games. They took out the sort of weird events. That there was an element of flat-out that was fun uh, because there would be events where you could do things like, you know, launch your purse and try to toward a target. They're just really weird events that were silly and <laughs> kind of disturbing. But they took all that out, but they really focused on just core Demolition Derby, uh, races where you're going to be aggressive and you know you can you have the option always of wiping out your competition um, and some tracks that are just absolutely nuts the great figure eight tracks so memories for me of going to you know the a local dirt track with my dad uh, you know watching dirt track racing uh, in particular I always loved figure eight racing so they have some figure eight tracks so that's always guaranteed to be some fun it controls well. You can scale up the difficulty up and down um, very well. Um, but yeah, the main thing is it it's so hard sometimes to get the feel um, of the control of a car right. Um, you know, the, the overly simmy stuff, it tends to just be too hard and it's easy to have oversteer and problems like that. Arcadey, it's too light. This is nice, nice in the middle. Um, I, it just felt intuitive so um i really appreciated that but also just love wrecking stuff so i had a great time with that finished everything there was in it um i i love that game so that's another one um a third one is neon white a game that i'd seen uh press about it had a they had a um they had a preview for for you know, for influencers or whatever that that I'd sat through. It, usually, I don't do those, but this sounded interesting, so I checked it out. And it's it is a really impressive game, um, challenging, really challenging. But it's like uh, if you haven't seen it, there's a definite mix of parkour um, kind of skill. Uh, there's definitely a um, exploratory element. There's a skill element. It's a very it's hard to sort of put a finger on um you end up <clears throat> going through levels trying to just survive them in general but you know you you can dif- depending on the type of level there are elements where you're going to have to shoot or slash um and it's very precision i mean the the shoot that you're the shooting that you're going to have to do every time you take a shot there's these cards that you accumulate and that gives you your abilities and the cards are very geared to the level so you'll accumulate this card that you're going to need to you know slash this enemy or to 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 break through the floor of this one thing um so it's a very precision oriented game you have to time things right you have to hit things right you have to you know aim to get these things right 
and this all could make it seem overly complicated or possibly overly challenging, but the, mo the most impressive thing about it is it's really, they did an incredible job of making sure it would run the way it should on Switch. So it's very smooth, it's very easy to be accurate. Um, and the result is you get some of these really bonkers levels in a lot of cases where you know you're just dodging through traps and there's spikes on either side and you're sort of falling under control to get to this other card that's going to then let you jump again um, that lets you continue um, it is a incredibly different kind of game from most I've played it is challenging but it's it's very it's very rewarding whether people connect with the story elements of it and I've seen criticisms that there's a bit of there's a bit much of that part um, but if you want to focus on the action there's tons of there there's tons there to enjoy and it's a great challenge um, another one I would put out there and this is going in again that completely different direction uh, mini motorways is actually is actually super addictive uh, it's a you know it's it, I it might be available on mobile even but it's a puzzle game um, by the people that made mini metro but it just it just connected with me I, I end up getting pretty addicted to it for a bit it's it's smart it's very compact it's really very simple in a lot of ways but it's challenging and you you end up learning sort of techniques of how to how to make the most out of the pieces that you have and the chunks of roadway and the different types of um, you know you can create bypasses or you can have roundabouts it takes a little bit of time to figure out how best to use those how how to approach things and it's all about surviving you know keeping your city going as long as you can uh, before it ends up you know people end up getting too pissed off and the the, the thing ends um, but it's it's really compact but it's really compelling um, I had I had a great time playing that um, and then the last one this is possibly a bit obvious uh, the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge um, I'm a big beat em up fan and it's a blast um, now it's not very long it has all the problems that typically a beat em up has it, in theory it's not very long uh, there's not necessarily a tremendous amount of content um, but it's a blast to play with other people uh, it's fun when you get through to unlock Casey Jones playing with Casey Jones is a lot of fun um, you can play online, which is very viable, and it's just, it's gorgeous. Uh, it is a, it's, they took everything about the arcade game that everybody loved, and it's all there, um, but it's been juiced up, uh, and the folks at Tribute Games did a great job. Um, had a great time playing it at PAX East, uh, just with some random people, um, and had a great time playing it with my family as well, and, you know, they don't always multiplayer games when I tell them it's we have something to play there's sort of a groan um, but even though they're not necessarily beat up fans they had my wife maybe not so much but the kids at least um, had it had some fun with it and maybe it's a little button mashy in places but hey um, but it, it's just a really well-made uh, beat em up now just to be clear um, it has not uh, it hasn't taken the throne from um, Streets of Rage 4, uh, which is still absolutely the best beat-em-up, uh, hands down, on the system. Um, but there are very different games, and they have a different feel. But, um, but yeah, 
the, the if you're if you loved the turtles in the day and you haven't checked out uh, Shredder's Revenge, it's a lot of fun. Um, in terms of the games that are on the horizon, keeping in mind that I actually don't I don't actually see a lot of them or there's it's a tricky thing there will be announcements um and it's gotten it's gotten a little worse in the in the last year um where there'll be announcements for games and when the switch was really in the earlier day like the earliest days it was can you put this on switch was the question everybody would ask then it got to a point where you assume that most titles short of short of being really you know elaborate or crazy you could just assume they were going to come to switch i think it's turned the turn the corner a bit where now um maybe they aren't all coming to switch so i'm not holding out hope that all these things will you know all the things that i see in press announcements and stuff i don't assume that they're coming to switch anymore so we'll base this on games that uh, i've played at pax east where i pretty much know that they're coming to switch uh or if there's one case where it's a it's a game that i know is coming to switch i didn't play at pax east but i've played the demo for um so one game that uh, was interesting. We'll see if it we'll see if it plays out. But I like the idea, and what I played was really interesting and fun. It's called Rogue Spirit. Um, it's a roguelike, and it's a it's a game where it's very action oriented. You'll take possession of different forms, and different forms have different abilities. And you you know you're just trying to basically survive and get through, but you just jump from uh, one type of well you have your initial character but you'll jump to different enemies that you have that have different uh abilities and attributes and it's just the idea is cool it was executed pretty well it looked good and i like the potential of it we'll see though um because it it was clearly it clearly worked but at least what you could play um it wasn't finished by any means um so we'll see if that even is coming this year but but i liked it um going in a different direction I'm, I'm probably going to butcher the way this is pronounced um, Dordogne? Dordogne it was really quite a beautiful game and in a completely different direction much more casual it was about uh, collecting memories um, you'd be in a you'd be in, a, in an area and you were trying to take a, a picture sort of that would capture the area, the area or you'd um, collect audio um, that would define the area that you're in, or, you know, the, the the forest or something like that, and it was sort of like scrapbooking memories uh, in a lot of ways. But it was just, it was really, it was very gorgeous. Uh, it's it's got a unique art style, and it was just, it was just thoroughly pleasant. Um, so I'm curious to see how that turns out. A different one is uh, Lego Brick Tales, um, which is absolutely, it is really trying to bring you the the lego building experience in a digital form and that's a good and a bad thing uh the good thing is legos are cool um and and to this point you know lego games it's tended to be you know like the the lego adventures you'll just hit a bunch you know you'll you'll focus on a bunch of bricks hit the button and they'll just assemble themselves this is really you're going to be building stuff um and it's always task oriented um and it also has a physics component so you know you'll build a bridge uh that somebody's going to go across using legos and the thing is you don't just have anything to choose from they'll give you 
a set of Legos to work with, not always necessarily ideal. Sometimes what you get, it's sort of like, ooh, yeah, I'm going to have to be creative with this. Um, it is complicated uh, to get used to the controls because you're having to move in a 3D space. You're going to have to, you know, there's layers because you can, you know, put Legos on top of each other, but you could also stack them from the bottom. Um, and just getting things into position and doing all that and understanding, you know, um, there are cases where you have to sort of meet two endpoints. And it was tricky. You had to keep moving the camera um, to make sure that you were really lining things up the way you were supposed to in three-dimensional space. But just, it it really did capture the Lego experience in a way that nothing has done before. So I'm I'm really curious to see how it turns out. And like I said, it's it's just you know it's build this thing and it's not just to build it to look cool um it has to actually work uh so there are there is physics involved so you do have to worry about how you do this um so a different type of challenge and something that i really i really think will be interesting um uh the last one that um i have that oh two more sorry um one of them it's called a power cord uh, it's another roguelike deck builder, but the, the theme to it is like this uh, heavy metal kind of band. It's just, it's just, it's one of those things when you see it. It, it just reached out to me as a, a fan of you know like eighties, eighties, nineties hair bands and <laughs> the metal scene and stuff like that. It's just a souped up version that it, it was pretty cool. We'll see how it turns out, you know, whether it really differentiates itself as a roguelike deck builder. There were some systems in it that were interesting. You can, you know, focus your, basically you can, um, you can focus on different members of your band to sort of soup up their abilities. And, you know, there are, there are strategies at play where you could focus on perhaps, you know, balancing. And that would give you one, one one set of potential outcomes against your enemies, but you could really throw all of your all of your all of your perks and stuff into one one of your band members to try to just get them to be you know super powered and and kick through. I didn't get to play too much of it just because the demo was relatively short and there were a lot of people trying to check it out. But like I said, I liked the vibe, I liked the look, I liked the the you know the music component. It was really cool. So we'll see how that turns out. And the last one, um, it just came out on PC formally, and it is, I, I'm almost positive it's coming to Switch. Um, it's called Fashion Police Squad. It's a, you know, old school uh, first person shooter. It, you know, it looks more along the lines of something like um, Doom visually. It's better than that, but it's it's got the, you know, the much more old school visual look. But it's just so weird uh, because you know it's it rather than shooting bullets you have like you you've got um uh, something that imbues color it's like a color gun um that you can uh shoot colors at things that are drab you can extract colors from things that are too gaudy um then there's another one that is more like a sewing machine for um helping to hem up uh people that have you know have uh have overly loose suits and things like that it's just it's really weird and sort of silly but it plays really well like there's a there's a component where you have a belt that whips um you can use that to swing between uh poles and stuff which is really cool and really well implemented so it's just it's a lot of fun it's definitely odd but it was really cool so i'm looking forward to that being on switch 
Um, so hopefully everybody enjoyed themselves. Um, <laughs> that brings us to the end. Um, let me know if you think this is a complete waste of time, uh, whether or whether it's something that you'd like to see more of. Um, and of course, if you want to see more of it, you're going to have to ask questions. All right, so that's the end of the first episode for Talking Nindies. And hopefully everybody had fun. This is Justin Nation for Nindy Spotlight, and I'll talk to you later.